This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Keith Kam. This is The Breakfast Grill. What does chocolate mean to you? To me, chocolate is a gift of love to yourself, not just on Valentine's Day, but every single day of the year, because when no one understands you, chocolate is always there. On the show with me this morning is Robert Kotushevsky, the Managing Director of Barry Calibo in Malaysia. This is a name that is familiar to many chocolatiers and bakers the world over, home and professional. Barry Calibo is Switzerland-based, because where else would they be from? They have a history of making chocolate for a hundred 175 years. They're also the world's biggest chocolate maker. Their main factory is in Vietz, Belgium. Again, where else? Supplies a thousand tons of chocolate a day to companies like Nestle, Hershey's, Leonidas and Neuhaus. So yes, they really know about their stuff. Welcome to the show, Robert. Really, really warm welcome. Really thank you, uh, Keith, for, for the invitation. Really pleased to be here. Now, um, Barry Calibo, it's uh, safe to say that the, that the pandemic years had minimal impact on the chocolate market because, you know, that's the only thing that understands us. Um, there was a decline in revenue and profits for the company, just very, very slight. What was the pandemic years like for Barry Calibo in Malaysia? Yeah, it was, it was really tough, I mean, for, as it was for most businesses. Uh, but I think uh, the key thing is that we, we really focus on the safety of the people, mm-hmm. uh, of the people working with us and our colleagues. And we were also lucky enough, lucky enough to, to keep on producing and running the factories, which was key. Uh, key was really making sure that we're still supplying the, the product out into the market so that uh, you know, the consumers and the people that really want to have the product get it. Uh, uh, because uh, a lot of the times people don't really realize that actually chocolate and cocoa is in multiple types of products. Uh, and so even in, if you look in the Milo, there's cocoa powder in there. If you look at some of the bread yeah. products, you, know, you have chocolate and cocoa powder in there. So these, these are real essential food items uh, that we really need to keep on producing and supplying during such tough times. I mean, even there was also a salmonella incident sometime at the the middle of last year and it disrupted the factories for a couple of weeks that hardly made a dent in the company's revenues. Yeah, so so we did have a a contamination issue in in Visa in Belgium, uh, which which was still an impact for us. I mean, food food safety is paramount for us. It's it's within our DNA. I mean, you know, our children, our parents are eating this product. So it's, it's absolutely key that we make sure that food safety is is key. Uh, And we continuously try to improve all our processes, our checks in terms of how we monitor this and how we ensure that there's constant food safety within the whole food chain and supply chain in terms of our products. And and unfortunately, sometimes these things happen and and we learn from them and we react very quickly. So it's, it's really ensuring that it doesn't happen again. What safeguards were put in place to ensure it doesn't happen again, especially for factories? I mean, you have two in Malaysia, right? Yeah, so it didn't affect any of the factories in Asia. Mm-hmm. So it was just one factory. Uh, and it was really just because of a supplier of one of the raw materials. So what we've done is, is really increased, you know, the stringent checks in terms of every single raw material that's coming into the factory. So it doesn't, doesn't happen again. 
Um, in, in Malaysia, we, we still continue doing that and we, we learn from, from situations like this in other parts of the world and then we quickly make sure that every single factory in the whole network is, is actually operating the same way. Yeah. From Malaysia, you supply about 2 billion ringgit worth of products to 57 countries and you've been here for about 30 years already. What sort of growth have you guys experienced here? Yeah, so, so the average growth generally in the industry is around 3 to 4%. If we look at it as an overall growth trajectory and, and we've always, as, as a group and as a company, we've always gone beyond that and been above that. So we will continue to do that. Uh, um, Malaysia itself is still showing very good growth potential going forward in the future as well. You primarily supply the industry rather than your everyday consumer. Mostly it's couverture chocolate as opposed to compound chocolate. What has the demand been like locally? Because the type of chocolate you supply tends to be more premium than what most people might be able to afford. Yeah, and then we try to cater for, for every everybody and every consumer in the market. So, you know, there, there are requirements for a compound type chocolate. It's it's a little bit linked to the climate because compound tends to, to not melt as quickly. It has a different application on the product itself. So sometimes if it's a wafer product, a compound is slightly better to, to use. Um, but the chocolate market is also growing. I mean, it's, it's, it's considered premium, but we've, we've seen continuous growth, not just in Malaysia, but throughout the region. But the factories, the two factories that you have here, the one, one in Port Klang and the other in Pasir Gudang and Johor, they don't actually make these kojo chocolates to supply to the industry here. These chocolates still come from overseas. Why is that? It depends in terms of the requirements and what, what the consumer and the customers want to claim. So, so we have you know, key brands like Calabout, which is Belgium chocolate, and we have Coca Barry, which is uh, French chocolate. Uh, and so you know, sometimes you'll see that the, the patisseries or the hotel, hotels that are mm -hmm. using this or you know, the various bakeries, they want to make a claim that it's Belgium chocolate. Uh, and so then, you know, that's why the, the product comes from Belgium. Uh, you, you'll see it not just in the patisseries, by the way. So if you look at a Magnum ice cream, it says made with Belgium chocolate. So we are also supplying that chocolate. So it's, it's more a little bit to the claim, not so much about the quality. So, I mean, the quality that we make in, in Malaysia is just as good. So what is actually made in Malaysia? So, so we make in Port Klang facility, we do make chocolate and compounds. Uh, some products there, mainly chips uh, and that uh, go into some of the items like cookies and bread. Uh, and we also make cocoa products in the Poklang facility. And then in uh, Pasigudan, it's mainly a cocoa factory. So we do a, a huge amount of uh, cocoa powder we produce there. We, we produce cocoa butter, cocoa liquor. And there from that factory, you'll find like the cocoa powder that goes into product like Milo, for instance. Yeah. How big are the operations there? Yeah, they're, they're quite significant. So we have over over 700 colleagues that work for us between the two sites. A majority are coming from the Pasigudan facility. You did also indicate once that you are cautiously optimistic about Barry Calabot's growth. Talk to me about what that means to you. What's cautiously optimistic? I think the environment post-pandemic has, has really become quite dynamic. And so it's very difficult. And you see it in the majority of companies that, you know, they, they have some caution, although they have some optimism in terms of how things are going to go. So the, the view is that there will be a recovery mm -hmm. and the recovery has started. And it's just really how far will that continue and at which pace? And so I think that's why people are being a bit cautious because, you know, we're also all facing inflationary pressures right now and everybody feels it in yeah. every part of the world. And so I think, you know, once that starts to stabilise and the view, if you if you look at the market and the industry, it looks like the, it will eventually stabilise. You know, then you'll start to go back onto the growth kind of uh, direction. Industry growth is estimated to be between 2 and 4%. Where does Barry Calibo fall into? 
Yeah, so it, it varies. So we, we tend to be a, pretty much above it in nearly every market. So, you know, it'll range from five, six plus percent, depending on the country. But it's always been above what the average has been, which is, you know, it's it really shows in terms of, you know, the focus and, and how the company operates. It's it's always been on a growth mindset and business culture and in terms of how we develop and grow the business, which means also that we also need to be planning ahead for the growth mm -hmm. and not, not reacting, but being more proactive. You guys have already spent about 1.3 billion ringgit. Is that for the last 30 years? That doesn't seem like a lot, though. Yeah, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, and so we, we've invested in, in Malaysia and we've been here for over 30 years and, and the view is that we will continue investing. And so, as you can see, we apart from the, the factories, we've also now invested uh, in a business excellence center here based in, in KL. That's also quite a significant investment and also it, it kind of shows the direction we want to do and go within Malaysia itself. Uh, and we're, we're looking in and really taking a, a kind of a shared service center, you know, approach, but taking it really to the next level uh, and really incorporating multiple functions, be it HR, you know, customer service, finance, you know, uh, IMIT sales, uh, really into, into one structure where they're really co collaborating and working together to leverage on each other. What are the markets that you supply to from Pasir Gudang and Poklang? Well, it really is. From, from Malaysia, we supply 57 different yeah. countries right? and it's really kind of throughout the whole region and beyond as well right? because it's, it's, it's not just the products, the raw products, but the products that we supply will then also be then supplied outside. So, you know, if you if you see a Milo or a Kit Kat or a Ferrero Rocher, you know, they, they they will be going into the market, not just within Asia, but outside of Asia into Europe and US. So. What do you imagine growth to be in Malaysia? What sort of investments are you looking uh, to put in, say, over the next five years? Yeah, so we, we're certainly going to, to grow the business excellence center. So it, it's more in terms of investment in people, which is obviously still you know, a financial investment and commitment. But I mean, we, we see, you know, we've over 30 years, we've seen a lot of stability in terms of the market and politically. But, it, but also in terms of the talent pool, it's a strong talent pool. I mean, we've recognized, recognized this over many years and we, we really are investing in that. So for sure, we are going to be investing in people going forward over the next you know, five plus years. And then at the same time, in terms of our capabilities. So, you know, it's a, the factory footprint is, is already there, but there's always room for expansion. And it's also looking in terms of seeing how do we kind of grow with the market because you know, I, um, we will always have ambitious growth mm -hmm. uh, plans. Yeah. What sort of challenges are you facing in terms of staffing? Um, I mean, everyone's facing labor issues. The, the pandemic had, again, kind of created this strange dynamics uh, where people found alternative things to do because they, they had no choice. And so they've created themselves new skills, which they now are using. And so, yes, it is, it is tough. Right? Um, but, I mean, it's one of those challenges that I think everybody is facing at the minute. I think what we're seeing is that, you know, that uh, the competition for, for good talent is much stronger and so you know we need to be much more you know uh, kind of developed in terms of how we approach you know it's, it's not just a financial kind of approach to to having somebody come on board but it's really taking them on the journey of you know their development plan how they're going to be you know growing within the company what opportunities we can provide so really broadening broadening our whole kind of thinking in terms of how we approach new hires how do you manage rising costs supply chain issues as well I mean, they're facing everybody. Yeah. So that's the reality. And so we, we have obviously tough conversations also with our customers. But the reality is, is we're not the only ones. So they're also facing that. 
and so I think this is this is what's applying the pressure really on the inflation kind of pressures that are coming in for everybody. So I think that's why you know a lot of companies are a little bit we say cautiously optimistic because we, mm. we know it, the growth is there, we know the potential is there, it'll come, but you know, there may be a period where things are a little bit difficult. You know. But you don't see a drop-off in demand, do you? We don't see it, no. It's, it's, I mean, chocolate and uh, chocolate confectionery is, is one of those products really that used to be very much recession-proof. So if, if there are tough times, people still feel you, know, you can have this small luxury in terms of feeling a little bit better. Uh, within yourself and so we see that you know uh, various industries changed during the pandemic so home baking became very strong so people were starting to bake at home you know the you know there'll be changes that now people are starting to come back and go out and, and visit cafes and restaurants that you know that that part of the business will then start to grow and, and come back as well so you know we're, we're still quite confident in terms of how we see the future in the studio with me this morning is robert kotushevsky the managing director of barry calibo in malaysia on the other side of the break we we'll ask the question, is it possible to make good quality chocolate that is both ethical and affordable? BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, we're back on The Breakfast Grill. And for breakfast this morning, we are having some hot chocolate with Robert Kotushevsky, the Managing Director of Barry Calibo in Malaysia. Now, Barry Calibo is on track to meeting its target to trace the source of all cocoa in its direct supply chain by 2025. Um, making sure it does not come from protected forests. The statement says you guys have so far reached 60% traceability to the individual cocoa farm level in its direct supply chain and you are also working on a plan to enhance traceability in your indirect supply chain. What does that mean? Well, it's actually it's, it's one of those challenges that is, is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you see a lot of companies out there that have made various you know, claims and then that's the direction they're going into. But it, it really is the right thing to do in terms of especially cocoa and chocolate uh, because you're, you're very dependent on cocoa farmers. Uh, these are not large plantations like certain products and commodities out there. This is really, you know, you have a, a cocoa tree that grows. You, you have to nurture it uh, on, the, on the journey in terms of the harvest. You have two harvests a year. You know, it's it's handpicked, it's it's processed by hand uh, by the farmers uh, out there, and and it's you know a lot of the farmers are you know they have small pieces of land of maybe two or three acres, uh, and they will have other crops on that on that piece of uh, piece of land, and then uh, you have cooperatives that then bring all the cocoa beans together and then uh, ship them out, and we process them. But but so so it's really very natural process. So. For us to try and see how we can support the farmers more is really the right thing. And, and as a company, we've been doing that for many years. Uh, we, we have also our own sustainability program, Cocoa Horizons, mm-hmm. you know, where we support schools and children you know, that are linked into the, the farmers and to ensure that they also their education s- system is, is kind of, has a good, strong basis going forward, that, that you know, they, they have school books, you know, teachers, etc. So these are the things we do on the ground. Yeah? But, but it's really to ensure, so, you know, we, we do the right thing, that the, the farmers are really paid the right pricing, the premiums in terms of what the, the cocoa is uh, going into the system so that as, also as consumers, people feel a little bit more comfortable to say, look, you know, this product is coming from, from 
you know, from somewhere that you know about that we know, and, mm -hmm. and and we know that we're trying to do our best to look after the the source and the farmers. Yeah. You have QR codes on all your your cocoa uh, uh, packaging that I've I've noticed. Uh, that's the traceability factor there. Yeah, it's, it's part of that, and 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 again, it's a journey. So we will continue to improve. You know how how the communication comes through. Um, in certain parts of the world, you know, as part of the Cocoa Horizons, we're even able to kind of go down to the farmer level, and so you mm. know we can we can show that literally the farmer and their family that uh, that uh, we're helping to support. So, but you don't you don't source cocoa from Malaysia, do you? The market here is too small. Yeah, it's. I mean, it used to be many years ago. It used to grow cocoa. Right? Uh, and I mean, we have some award-winning ones. I know. <laughs> Yes, yeah, no, I, I mean, the cocoa here is great. I mean, because you, you, you still have some small pockets right, to some farmers who are growing, and especially in like areas like Pahang, etc. And I mean, the cocoa is amazing. I mean, we would love that if, if you know, Malaysia became a cocoa growing you know, part of the world again. Um, but uh, the reality is, this majority tends to come from Africa, from Ivory Coast and Ghana. Mm -hmm. um, but but certainly the quality coming from Malaysia is amazing. Uh, tried some of it, you know, many times, and you know, uh, it's really great. Preaching to the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the European Commission did propose a law that is expected to be passed later this year. It's aimed at preventing the import of commodities linked to deforestation by requiring companies to prove that global supply chains are not contributing to forest destruction. This is the same one that also affects palm oil. So, you know, we're all in the same boat. How has that changed the way Barry Calvert does its production since this was first mooted? Yeah, I, I'm not familiar specifically with the, the detail of, of the code itself. But I mean, you know, as a company, we've we spent you know, many, many years always trying to improve in terms of what we do and how we do it. So that was done before the law came, came yeah, up. Because, I mean, the, I mean, the law requires the you to is, show the so, you know how you source, where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reality is, is this is our core business. Right? Yeah. And so we're very dependent on it. And so we need to ensure you know the, the whole value chain all the way from the beginning, from the bean itself and the growing part up until you know the product is produced and on the shelf. You know, is is as sustainable as possible, is as correct as possible in terms of all the flows that go into that, uh, and everybody that's involved in that whole chain. Uh, and so, you know, we we've had you know large teams that have been focusing just purely on this to continuously see how how can we be be better, and and better not just better as a company, but better than the standard or the average. Yeah. What sort of investment layout had to be um, put in in order to comply with all these things, or were there anything extra? I mean, there's always investment, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's but it's it's one of those things where, if it's the right thing, you, you tend to it's not you're not applying for a capex for a piece of equipment in a factory. I mean, this is really about investing for the future, and so you know, it's we we will, we have and we will continue to keep investing in terms of all these types of activities because this is this is about really not now but the next two, three, four generations ahead. I mean, you and I understand that, but you know, how does that factor into the prices that end users have to pay? Uh, how much of an increase would they would they see? I, I think it's it's probably not as easy to kind of calculate in that specific area. I, I think if you're doing it throughout your whole you know production scope and your sourcing. It becomes the the natural and the norm, and then it becomes really we're not doing anything special because we were doing something special in the first place as part of our norm and as our basics. So effectively, it, it becomes the standard throughout whatever we're producing and supplying.
Apart from deforestation issues as well, um, there are some human rights concerns as well. Uh, in 2021, Barry Caliber, along with Nestle, Cargill, Mars, Olam, Hershey and Mondelez, they were named in a lawsuit filed in Washington, D.C. by the human rights firm International Rights Advocates on behalf of eight former child slaves who say they were forced to work without pay on cocoa plantations in, in Ivory Coast. Um, but in the end, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the companies could not be sued on a technicality because my question here is that uh, this does not actually clear up anything, uh, does not absolve any of these firms, including yours, um, over these child slavery accusations. So what safeguards do you have to ensure this doesn't happen like at all? Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, it's a, I, again, I don't know the specifics in terms of the the, the claims at the time, but <clears throat> it's it's... It's always difficult if it's not so, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's it's a very natural product. So you have a lot of small farmers, farm farm plots and farmers, where they will have two, three acres of plots. You will probably have maybe 10, 15,000 farmers supplying yeah. into a cooperative in Africa. And so the, the beans that we purchase, we're purchasing from the cooperatives because that's the only practical way of doing that. You know, I mean, the ways we can ensure is to have many people on the ground to try and make sure that things are, are being done properly. And, and we do that, but you can't cover everything. Yeah, and I mean, we, you're, one, you're one of the biggest, well, you are the biggest cocoa producer, chocolate producer in the, yeah. in the world. I mean, it's got to be challenging to say the least to monitor every single one of these farms. Absolutely, right? but it, it doesn't mean we don't stop. I mean, you know, we absolutely don't advocate these type of practices and and we try and do our best to ensure, you know, that we have as many people on the ground to be able to go and visit these small farmers farm kind of plots and say, look, you know, give provide education, advice in terms of how they operate. Also get a view in terms of what's going on. Um, but, but I mean, in, in areas such as Ivory Coast and Ghana, it's impossible to see every single farmer. Yeah. I mean, how do you set an example and then also show that you are setting an example to the other producers? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's really in terms of, you know, all the activities we try to do on the ground. It's again, you know, it, it's not, not walking away and saying that we are just, you know, we're purchasing from a cooperative and that's it. And the beans are purchased, you know, according to what we assume and, and understand as being the correct way and, and you know, the, without, without any of these other activities going on. But, but by the fact that we have, you know, you know over a thousand people on the ground, mm -hmm. just literally kind of visiting constantly on a daily basis, various farmers to, to kind of, you know, try to see what's going on to ensure that things are done properly. I think that's already quite a big example because uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's an investment for us for, for doing the right thing. You know, they, they are, we're not benefiting specifically from them being there because by, by our people being there, yeah. other companies will also ultimately benefit. So I think that probably is, is probably already showing a good example here. Also, I guess the reality is that, um, I mean, the, the non-profit watchdog group Voice Network in its biennial uh, Cocoa Barometer report they released in December, it said about one and a half million children in the Ivory Coast and Ghana uh, where the most of the global cocoa supply currently are working in jobs that only adults should not should hold. The ultimate question is, uh, do you think it is possible to make good quality chocolate that is both ethical and still affordable? I think it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's been around for generations. Uh, and I think by the fact that if you if you continue trying to do these various initiatives on the ground and then also helping in terms of sustainability, but also like, for instance, investing in schools, education, uh, uh, on the ground, in the villages, uh, and then, you know, going around trying to help uh, educate in terms of how they can improve their yield, their crop, 
um, uh, what types of fertilizers to use, etc. By doing that, you're, you're getting closer and closer to, to really the people on the ground. And so I think, yes, I think it is because, and, and you know, can we do more? Yes, we'll continue to do more. And uh, and we will always try to be ahead of everybody else because it's still, it's again, it's the right thing because we're in this for the next, you know, generations to come. So, you know, we need to invest in it now in terms of, you know, making sure that the next generations will have a better, better place. Robert Kotushevsky, thank you very much for coming in this morning. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. On the breakfast grill this morning was the Managing Director of Barry Calibo in Malaysia, Robert Kotushevsky. I'm Keith Kam for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.